Kim Kardashian? That's ridiculous. You know, they, they kind of just brush her off. You know, what do you say to those people? You know, I'm not surprised. I would say, you know, open your mind. And I would say that there is, you know, there's much to learn today from many different people who we may or may not personally like. You know, I think that there is still, you know, many lessons to be learned. I think first and foremost, we have to recognize, especially when it comes to organizations in the new generation with millennials and Generation Z, that they are an incredibly hard nut to crack. And in order to crack that nut, we really need to get into their hearts and minds. We really need to develop empathy for the way they're living. It is just too easy to demonize, degrade, put down generations that we don't understand as either being narcissistic or lazy or entitled or stupid or whatever we want to call them. But as long as we stay in that space, as long as we create that distance, we're not going to be able to understand them. We're not going to be able to empathize with them. And as a result, we're not going to be able to connect with them. And, and we're certainly not going to be able to sell for them. What is going on, everybody? Thank you so much for joining yours truly, Ryan Caligario, on this week's episode of Cut the Crap Podcast, where every single week I'm reading a book, condensing it down to its core golden nuggets. I'm bringing the author on the show to have a conversation about the golden nuggets, and I'm here every single week just trying to save you a little bit of time and bring you some information that can spark real change in your life. Now, you know my spiel. Get your ratings in, get your reviews in of the show. If you can't review it, if you're listening on Spotify or SoundCloud, whatever, then just email podcast at ryancalajuri.com. If you can review, if you're listening on iTunes, for example, then get your rating and get your review in and take a screen capture of it. Also send it to podcast at ryancalajuri.com and I'll make sure you get entered into the draw every quarter for a prize. And this quarter's prize, $1,000 in cold hard cash. I'll be giving that away in a couple weeks, actually. Also, don't forget to connect with me on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Thank you to all of you who've connected with me and uh, reached out and told me how much you love the show and how much you uh, enjoy tuning in every single week. It means a lot to me, so keep it coming if you have not connected with me yet. And last but not least, go to cutthecrappodcast.com and on the very top, you'll see summaries. If you like the episodes that you're listening to every single week, then you want to get the PDF version of each episode as well. And like I said the previous couple weeks, I'm only going to be sending this out once a month because I don't want to hit your inboxes so often every single week. I know that uh, that's the expectation. A lot of people, when you sign up for something, you just start getting emails from people. And I don't believe in that. I have this zero spam email policy or zero mass email policy that I have. So um, it's only one email a month just to make an exception of the rule. But I don't want to fill your inbox because... I know how it is. I'm the same way. I prefer an empty inbox more than I do the information that I opt into. Just funny how it works. All right. So what do we got going on this week? This week, we have a book with a very interesting title. And the reason you're probably here is because you might be interested in wondering what the hell this book is about in the first place. The Kim Kardashian Principle. Why Shameless Sells and How to Do It Right by Jitender Sedev. Now, at first, when I picked up this book, I was skeptical. I wasn't too sure exactly what I'd be learning from here, but after I read it, I was really glad that I did because it points out so many different aspects of marketing that maybe we don't pay too much attention to. Things like, for example, like how do these social media stars today, like Jenna Marbles or Kim Kardashian, for example, how do they attract such attention? What are they doing that we're not doing? Why is it that businesses are putting out social media content on a regular basis and it's not getting the likes they get? It's not attracting attention. And we all know the currency today in marketing and sales, being an entrepreneur, it's all about attracting attention. If you're not attracting attention, then what the hell are you doing? 
You're wasting your time. You're invisible. And if you're invisible, then I'm sorry to say, but you're failing at marketing. I know a lot of you out there might disagree with me right away and you say, hold on a second, Ryan, I'm failing at marketing. I'm doing a good job at marketing. Yeah, you might be, but you're not capturing a lot of attention, the attention of your marketplace, which is all you need to be focused on. So Sadev really shows us why successful people today like Kim Kardashian, why they're successful, what they're doing to be successful. And some of the things that we might be able to do as well as individuals, as businesses, as entrepreneurs. And there's a lot of great takeaways from here that Jitender and I really talk about and get deep into. So again, I don't want to get too much into it right now. I don't want to get into too much jibber jabber. I just want to cut into this one. I love talking to Jitender and uh, I'm going to bring him back on the show because he's got some other books as well. And uh, again, great energy, great guest. And of course, that's exactly what I want to get out here. So enough jibber jabber. Let's crack right into this one. This one is the Kim Kardashian principle, why shameless sells and how to do it right by Jitender Sadev. I'll catch you at the end of the episode. Enjoy. Jitendra, how are you this morning? I'm wonderful, thank you. How are you, Ryan? I'm doing very well, thank you. Very well. I've been very excited to get you on this show. Obviously, with a title like that of the book, it's going to attract some attention and definitely get some eyeballs on it when you see it in the bookstore. So, uh, you know, before we get into the book, I'm very excited to get into it with you. Uh, tell people out there who don't know who you are or what you do yet. Tell them a little bit about yourself and then uh, we'll get into it. Yeah, well, my expertise lies around um, branding in particular and celebrity branding. Over the past 10 years, I've sort of built out this area of celebrity branding, which is understanding celebrities as brands. So for many years, people were like, yeah, sure, you know, celebrities are brands, we get that. But no one was really studying them. No one was doing research, um, you know, ethnographies, focus groups, one-on-ones, cluster analysis, regression analysis, like we would with a brand, let's say American Express or Delta or whatever it may be, to truly understand the perception of brands. So that's pretty much my field. I've sort of introduced that into the marketplace. Why don't we get right into it? When it comes down to it, golden nugget number one, it's all about Kim K. So why we can learn from Kim K. When you think about Kim Kardashian, you know, she's not somebody that you might think of top of mind if you're a business when it comes to marketing mastery. But you argue that there's a lot to learn from Kim K and that shameless sells. Tell us why that is. You know, I think that every leader seriously um, looking to develop a millennial following, seriously looking to connect with a new generation that has different values, that thinks differently, that acts differently, that purchases differently, needs to be paying close attention to Kim Kardashian. I mean, she is a cultural force. She is a new world leader. She is, um, you know, the new face of leadership, as, as, well as, as well as many other sort of leaders that have emerged against all odds and at all costs. And there are many things that we can learn from them. So um, absolutely, we need to pay attention and we need to see how she's cultivating her multi-million following. Hmm. When people are listening, because I, I imagine that all of you out there right now in Cut the Crap Podcast Nation, you might have different opinions of Kim Kardashian. You might like her, you might hate her. Whether you like her or hate her, it doesn't matter. There's things that she's doing that we need to pay attention to in terms of how to build a following, how to build a brand, how to build a business. What do you say to the listeners out there, Jitendra, who say, you know, Kim Kardashian, that's ridiculous. You know, they, they kind of just brush her off. You know, what do you say to those people? You know, I'm not surprised. I would say, you know, open your mind 
And I would say that there is, you know, there's much to learn today from many different people who we may or may not personally like. You know, I think that there is still, you know, many lessons to be learned. I think first and foremost, we have to recognize, especially when it comes to organizations and the new generation with millennials and Generation Z, that they are an incredibly hard nut to crack. And in order to crack that nut, we really need to get into their hearts and minds. We really need to develop empathy for the way they're living. It is just too easy to demonize, degrade, put down generations that we don't understand as either being narcissistic or lazy or entitled or stupid or whatever we want to call them. But as long as we stay in that space, as long as we create that distance, we're not going to be able to understand them. We're not going to be able to empathize with them. And as a result, we're not going to be able to connect with them. And and we're certainly not going to be able to sell to them. Fantastic. I love how you set that up. And for every one of you out there listening right now, if you were, you know, you kind of tuned in, you're like, I don't know, I'm not a big fan of Kim K. What you tender just said there, you know, exercising empathy, you know, seek first to understand. All those are such important elements to keep in mind when growing your business, when exploring new strategies. There's far too many people out there who want to grow their business, but they have a very closed mind. And when you have a closed mind, you're not going to do yourself any favors. So take a minute, open up, and as we break into this book, you're going to see why we should be learning from Kim K. So why don't we kick right into this one. Now we have golden nugget number two, which gets into the meat of the book, the Kim K principle. So the KKP, and I love how you set it up. We're going to go through each one individually. Surprise, expose, lead, flaws, intimate, and execute. And if you're you're a good speller out there and you're pretty quick, you'll understand that the principle spells selfie, which I love it. It's catchy. It's easy to remember. So let's go into the very first one. Golden nugget number two, surprise. So Kim shattered the mold for California female sex symbols. You know, she wasn't slim. She wasn't blonde. She wasn't blue-eyed. But when it comes down to it, ideas that want to break through in today's crowded and disengaged marketplace, they have to follow Kim K's lead and finding their own distinguishing characteristics and amping it up, even if it means going against the marketing grain. So tell us a little bit about the element of surprise. Yeah. So, you know, as you've, as you've quite rightly said, Ryan, you know, the book is um, framed around the selfie framework. So these are the six paradigm shifts that branders, marketers, anyone looking to break through and outperform today need to undergo in order to resonate with the new generation of millennials and Generation Z. The first rule is around surprise, the unique distinct element of your brand, your idea, your product, your service needs to be amped up. We saw that with Kim Kardashian. We have for too long been told to conform to certain norms, to try and fit into certain ideas or appetites that might already be existing. But today, the appetite to try something different with a, um, with a newer audience and to innovate and to, um, and to own your distinction is really important. And products, ideas, and services that do that will be better placing themselves to stand out, to be seen as unique, and to break through. Mm. What is something tangible that businesses today can do to surprise their customers, surprise their marketplace? One thing from the book that I really love, and for all of you out there in Cut the Crap Podcast Nation, we've talked about this multiple times before, the importance of diversity. Maybe you could talk to us a little bit about diversity. Well, diversity is, um, is necessary, and I think it's a, it's a rule that applies across the different um, principles. When I was thinking of surprise in particular, I was thinking of the case that I wrote about Think, 
mm. the um, sort of you know the the organization that really looked at the category convention what was happening within the um you know within the sort of um the you know the female sanitary um market how were people being spoken to how candid or not candid were the issues that were being raised and how to actually do something counter to that to actually break through and to be distinct so that was where my head was going sure. but certainly when it comes to distinction for example from a diversity perspective i would say this you know that Different ideas, owning your, owning your uniqueness is something that you can certainly apply when recruiting and hiring people. So before, I think people would be told to be a little less of who they were in order to fit in. Now there's an opportunity for workplaces to actually encourage people's uniqueness, for them to actually stand out for them to be more of themselves, especially when it comes to millennials and Generation Z. So, for example you'll find that sometimes people from different, um, you know, ethnicities or, you know, different types of backgrounds feel that they need to blend in. I think now there's an opportunity to actually own your, own your heritage, own your uniqueness more than anything else and bring that unique perspective with you. In the book, I talk about the fact that, um, you know, bringing, you know, diversity doesn't necessarily mean bringing in, two people from different um, ethnic backgrounds who have had very similar upbringings. So somebody, you know, for, to be mm-hmm. sort of um, general for, exe- for a second, somebody who is from a, you know, a, a, a Caucasian ethnicity and somebody who's from a black ethnicity have all been through exactly the same social, um, you know, social mm-hmm. sort of background, have both graduated from Harvard um, and so forth, is not necessarily going to bring a diverse perspective. Mm-hmm. So organizations today have to recognize that diverse perspectives come from diverse people it might be harder at first and you know they might they might battle out ideas more because they see the world in very different ways but that's a good thing mm-hmm. absolutely you know I, I always look at diversity as that that power principle where and when people put that into place you just leverage different ideas from different perspectives different different people different um, backgrounds and as a result of that you create more innovative ideas and I know there's a lot of people out there who leverage diversity as part of their campaigns to try and create new products new services new marketing campaigns absolutely right and the one thing that I want to say about that is that you know the examples that I give in the book involved sort of like Apollo astronauts that didn't wear spacesuits created by the aerospace um, you know, market, but they were actually designed by laundry manufacturer Playtex. You know, sort of diehard gamers deciphered part of the molecular structure of HIV AIDS that has stumped medical students for years, and that was done, you know, from a very different category. So those are sorts of like diverse perspectives That's coming right. through. Absolutely. What do you say to the companies out there who don't feel comfortable surprising the marketplace they like to maybe take some risks some calculated risks when it comes to surprise they're a little worried about that because it attracts attention to them and i don't know if i necessarily want attention if they are like that does this not apply to them or are are they for lack of a better word screwed if they don't want to surprise in today's world well i think it's a very i think it's a very dangerous strategy in today's market to take to try and appeal to the lowest common denominator try and pretend that you don't have a perspective or you're not really different i think everyone has a unique perspective in one way or another and audiences want to hear that today because audiences want to bond with brands that are connecting on more of a value level today 
So in order for me to connect with a brand that has a similar value system to me, that brand really needs to open up and tell me what they're really thinking. If they're hiding things from me or if I know that their leadership feels a certain way about something but they would never vocally they would never vocally voice that, mm. that's going to be an issue because that's going to create a level of distrust. Right. So today the opportunity for brands is to truly show how they are different, to own that, to not be ashamed of that, and to also be willing to pay the consequences of that. And I think there is power to that too, because what's going to end up happening is that you're going to develop more fanatics than fans. Mm. You're going to have people who either bond with you and say, you know what, I really like your perspective on the world. I really like how you think and feel, and you're right for me. And there are going to be other brands who say, you know what, you're you're actually not my cup of tea, so this Mm -hmm. is not right for me. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that's a really nice segue into the next element here. Golden nugget number three, expose. So overexposing your ideas, your products, your services, it allows the audience really unfiltered access to your true intention. And uh, Freud said, you know, out of your vulnerabilities will come your strength. So you got to be raw. <laughs> I did use that quote, didn't I? <laughs> you did. You absolutely did. And I love that quote. So it reminds us that we have to be raw. We have to be honest. We have to be real. And, you know, exposure works when it's the real deal. So tell us a little bit about Expose and this idea of exposure. Exposure, overexposure. So for years, we were told, once again, another paradigm shift that is required. For years, we were told to be careful about what we said, to cultivate a particular message that we thought our audiences wanted to hear. We had a lot of research techniques, in particular with focus groups and copy testing, where people would go out to the audiences they wanted to sell to, not only ask them what they wanted to hear in a TV ad or in a marketing communications piece, but also what words were more effective than others. But the problem with that is that audiences have now become too savvy. And today when somebody watches a TV commercial or whether they read a piece of copy that is telling them exactly what they think they want to hear, they can identify that. So overexposure is actually the reverse. It's saying that, look, just be who you are expose everything about yourself. Transparency is key. Transparency won't create distrust. As we initially thought many years ago, transparency actually creates trust with your audiences because audiences recognize that organizations are not perfect. They don't expect you to be perfect. Open up We've seen with a lot of larger organizations, for example, like Nike, they are ultimately, their working practices are ultimately exposed if you don't open up beforehand and show us how you're actually sourcing material, what you're actually doing, how you're doing it. That that, that, um, creates a lot of trust amongst audiences today. Absolutely. Maybe can you tell us a story? Uh, I'm forgetting it right now, actually. I don't remember what her name was. I was think it? I remember it, it was <laughs> Madame X. That's right, yes. Tell us the story about <laughs> Madame X. <laughs> you know, I'm glad that you mentioned that um, because it's one of my most favorite stories in the book. Um, in the book, I talk, you know, I don't only talk about business cases, but I use a lot of historical cases. Mm-hmm. I'm a historian as well as um, pop culture cases and scientific cases to support what I call these universal truths. And in the exposed chapter, I talk about um, um, Virginie Gautreau, who was a white Creole born in New Orleans in 1859. 
And she actually rose to high society. She was a very ambitious woman. You know, men wanted to date her. Um, you know, women wanted to be her. And of course, painters wanted to paint her. And there was a famous painter who actually painted her in a pose that was considered to be inappropriate. During the painting, her strap fell off of her shoulder. And the, the painter actually painted her that way. And when that painting was um, sort of brought to life um, in, um, in the late 1800s at the Paris Salon in Paris, it created pandemonium, not because it was a overexposed painting from a nudity standpoint, because there were lots of nudes at that time, but because Madame X, so she was then, um, she, she was then called, showed utter disdain for the opinion of others. You know, it was about what she felt what she, what, where, where she was in her life and how she expressed herself with that pose. And, and, and that was a form of overexposure. Mm -hmm. And I thought that that was a really good historical example because her painting lives on and is remembered. Absolutely. She is seen as somebody who was brave and powerful and willing to show who she really was. Mm -hmm. And I think there are lots of things that brands can um, learn from that, whereas many other paintings during that time have now been forgotten. And they might well have been a bit more um, catering to the lowest common denominator. That's exactly right. It's not always easy and it requires you to you know, take a risk at some point in time. But in today's marketplace, as you said before, you have to take some risks. And um, with this idea of expose, it's very, very important that brands, that companies start to adopt this principle. Golden nugget number four, lead. So we have to establish new norms. We have to rally people to our vision. We have to show the world our version of the future. This is what lead is all about. And when you think about Kim Kardashian, she is somebody who absolutely takes the lead on many different aspects. So Jitendra, tell us how to best lead in today's world and how we might be able to learn something from Kim K on this one. You know, we can learn so much from Kim K. We can also learn from similar leaders, Elon Musk, Mark Zuckerberg, Marissa Meyer, Richard Branson, the list goes on. The face of leadership today is changing. Steve Jobs, you know, the face of leadership today requires you to be personal. It is no longer business. And we see how celebrities are becoming business people. Business people are becoming celebrities. There's that je ne sais quoi. There's that X factor today, which wasn't allowed 10 or 15 years ago. Everybody had their place. But really what we can learn from the lead chapter is a couple of things. The power of being uncompromising. You know, for so long, the C word compromise, the power comes from compromising. But really, we're seeing this new leadership coming through that are really quite uncompromising. Elon Musk, for example, you know, SpaceX, it's a tough environment to work in. They're working many long hours. Does he burn out his employees? Potentially. But he's transparent about that. That's the culture there. And they're really moving mountains. You know, you get somebody like Mark Zuckerberg, who is also a sort of like a celebrity CEO. Marissa Meyer, who was part of Yahoo and was also doing the cover, cover, Vogue in, uh, a cover spread in Vogue magazine, which was unheard of for a technology CEO. Worlds are blending together now. People want to see what the CEOs really stand for and who they really are on a personal level. And then they want to choose whether they want to be part of that brand or not. Ideas today from a leadership perspective have to be you-centric, not audience-centric. Mm. And the second idea is around what I was talking about, 
uncompromising. You know, you really have to have the courage of your convictions as a leader today. So many leaders are being diluted as a result. Their ideas are being diluted. And stand up for what you believe in. Show us what you believe in and empower your audiences to decide whether they want to align with you or they don't. I love that. And you start to see a little bit of that transparency coming through. And I'm going to say there's not a lot of you out there who are doing that, who are really taking a risk and putting yourself out there. I see, especially on LinkedIn, a lot of people sharing their their true opinions, CEOs sharing their true opinions on whatever it is, certain aspects of, of politics or of something that's happening in their news, in the industry. And sometimes it's a little controversial and that's okay. But there's something that you said there, Jitendra, that I want to go back and focus on. You said that, you know, we need to move more towards a you-centric and not audience-centric. The marketers out there, the business strategists, they might listen to that and say, hold on a second. What did you just say? You-centric? Why is it about the, why is it about me and not about the audience? Because that kind of spits in the face of maybe some marketing, you know, uh, marketing principles that maybe people believe to be true. So why is it that it should be you-centric and not audience-centric? Well, 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 this is the challenge that's happened. with. And firstly, you need to know your audience. You need to know their likes and their dislikes. But ultimately, you cannot be authentic and cater towards an audience if you are not really showing us your perspective on what you think of your product, idea, or service. So that's where the personal aspect comes into it. And also, there's a passion aspect, too, as well. I mean, it's your business. It's your idea. It's, you know, it's, it's your product. And organizations now want to personal connection with brands and that can't be manufactured that has to come from the entrepreneurial spirit that has to come from your own passion that has to be imbued how many entrepreneurs dilute their ideas because they've been told that you know what that's really not there's no market for that or that's not something that's going to take off and as a result the product that they try and create is either generic or it's commoditized or whatever it may be and that doesn't work either so i think that imbuing your ideas with your own personal stamp and is only going to help mm-hmm. um position it in the marketplace and it is only going to help humanize the product and let it better connect with audiences now we move to golden nugget number five which is all about flaws and i know that people don't necessarily like to show their flaws outwardly you know they're embarrassed by them they want to cover them up they don't want people to see them you know kim k when you think about her she's flawed and so are we you know our products are flawed our services are flawed but what Kim does differently is that she really turned her flaws into assets. In the book, you said she took her suburban sensibilities and lack of education and reframed them as a modern sophistication and glamour. So that I find is very interesting. You know, you look at Kim K and, you know, people look at her as if, you know, she's, I don't know, I don't want to bolster her up, but, you know, she's she's perfect. You know, she looks beautiful. Everything that she does, you know, touches turns to gold. But she's got a lot of these flaws, but she turns them into her advantage. Maybe talk to us a little bit about that. Talk to us about flaws. Absolutely. You know, Kim, Kim Kardashian has been great at, um, you know, owning and being who she is and not pretending to be anyone else or not trying to cover up her imperfections. I think today, I say in the book, you know, it's your flaws that make you fascinating, so embrace them. It is the imperfections that make you perfect. Today, audiences are too savvy. They've been raised around products, ideas, services, brands claiming that they're perfect or by purchasing them, their lives will become perfect and nobody is buying that. 
So what you have to do is be real in your communications and be brave enough to say that, you know, you are not going to promise the world and their wife or husband to an audience member. It is a product at the end of the day, and this is how it's going to create value. And that's it, really. I mean, at, at its simplest. Mm-hmm. Um, flaws today, um, you know, vulnerability, flaws are where it's at um, because audiences are very savvy. It's funny that we talk more about flaws. And there's certain themes that we continue to hear more of now. We're hearing a lot of empathy. We're hearing a lot of vulnerability, flaws. Uh, we just recently had uh, Patrick Lencioni on the show, and he was talking about his five dysfunctions of a team. And on the very base, you have trust. And one of the things that really builds trust with teams is vulnerability, telling people what you're good at, but telling people what you're not good at, what you suck at. But for some reason... In the business world, it's all about perfection. You know, I know everything. You know, I got it all figured out, Ryan. I got it all figured out, Jitendra. You know, I don't, I don't need to know anything. But you say that when you, you bring out your flaws, it creates a different brand. It creates a different persona for you. And I think, and disagree with me if, if you want, but I feel like it just makes you more human. Because when we all get home, we all sit in our living rooms or we all sit in our bedrooms. We look at ourselves and we know that we all have flaws. I think that in this world, you know, surrounded by social media and transparency, we get kind of sick and tired of the people who come out there and, you know, they're overly edited, overly perfect. You know, I think the one thing that was really interesting that Kim Kim Kardashian did was she uh, one day posted a picture of her face, you know, half it with makeup on, half it without. She was perfectly comfortable showing her face without makeup, without Photoshop. And of course, there's tons of Photoshop pictures of her online, but she is, uh, you know, that brand and she felt comfortable sharing her flaws with people. You know, the other example that I want to give is, um, you know, the example of Subway. So, mm. you know, when Jared Fogel, who was the ambassador for Subway, was exposed to the pedophilia, what did Subway do? You know, they immediately distanced themselves That's from right. Jared Fogel as if he didn't even exist. And yet audiences connect the DNA of Subway to Jared Fogel. Mm-hmm. He is one of the most visible brand ambassadors or was for any brand. And even Subway had said that he was part of the family. He was a DNA of the brand. So now that would have been the old school mentality, right? Get away. The new school mentality, you know what, to actually show your flaws. So the way that Subway could have done that was instead of pretending he didn't exist, they could have actually admitted to the fact that they had been duped by this pedophile. They could have become a crusader for anti-pedophile causes. They could have educated the parents who come to the brand on, um, you know, on ways to spot a pedophile or, or whatever it may be, you know, things that they would have only known and experienced that they could have shared. It could have been a flaw that they could have shared and it would have made them more vulnerable. It would have shown their greater vulnerability and it would have made them far more engaging than us just brushing him under the oh, rug yeah. and pretending that it just never happened. When I read that piece in the book, I, I sat there and pondered on it. I just thought, how great of an idea was that to embrace it and not to fight against it, not to try to cover it up, but to embrace it and build a brand off of that. Subway would have such, uh, would have much more brand equity in the marketplace. People would respect that brand far more if they had responded that way. It's a great piece of advice to people and not to shun your flaws, hide them. 
It's to embrace them. And I think we're seeing that more and more with, um, you know, we're seeing, for example, like airline CEOs who initially come out with very bog-standard 1980s-type apologies, and then audiences sort of demand that they come back out and be honest about the situation. And then we see them come back out again, going that, look, actually, we take responsibility. We are flawed. We were wrong. We're going to make Mm. this right. So I do think we're starting to see that creep into the much larger sort of stodgier organizations now where they're going, you know what, we have to not keep pretending that we're perfect because it's just not working anymore. I agree. I agree. We go to golden nugget number six now, which covers off the idea of intimate. So Kim K, she takes risks. She puts her audience first, which is an important element of the intimate bond that she really created with her audience. So when we're talking about this intimate principle, I want you to talk to us about the gentleman, Alistair, the great beast Crowley. (laughs) (laughs) That's a brilliant history. I love how you picked out the two historical stories of the first that were... That were my most favorite. Um, Yeah, so Alistair Crowley, I mean, I have a little bias towards Alistair Crowley because he is a Cambridge graduate, not an Oxford graduate. So there's probably (laughs) nothing that he can do. (laughs) That is completely right. But, um, But having said that, having graduated from Oxford, but having said that, you know, what a brilliant historical character in the 1800s. This man was... A, just a disruptor in so many different ways. You know, he was called the wickedest man in the world. Rock stars like the Beatles and Beatles and Bowie loved him while Satanists and pagans worshipped him. You know, and really, he was just a philosopher. You know, he was an occultist who created this sort of craziness right. by behaving in a particular way. He created a new religion called them um, Salima. You know, really, um, Alistair was talking about creating intimacy with people. Number one, intimacy does not have to be a one-on-one affair. It's the same with products, ideas, services, brands today. 20 years ago, perhaps we could have protected, or even sort of 15 years ago, perhaps we could have expected audiences to have an intimate relationship just with our brand or product. But today, people can be intimate with an Apple product and also be using a Samsung phone. Intimacy today is no longer a one-on-one affair. And I think that recognizing that and getting to the heads of the consumers as to um, why that is the case can only help you when you're developing products that go to market. Hmm. So let's say we have people out there who are listening right now who work in professional services companies and they, they buy into this idea of building intimacy with their audience, with their marketplace. What kind of advice can you give to them in order to uh, make use of this principle in particular? Well, I think that you have to develop intimacy and you have to strive to develop intimacy with your audiences. And that comes by doing a variety of different things. In particular... But, sorry, before I, before I go there, it, sure. but one has to recognize that, you know, an audience member today, a customer today, might well be as intimate with your product as they are with somebody else's mm. product. And I think that's a shift because that, as a result, you, you want to offer and you want to position somewhat differently. But part of int- intimacy to do, today is also um, providing additional benefits, you know, allowing audience members to take your products 
and use them in the way that they see fit, not being so prescriptive, being open, being open-minded to lots of different things. You know, how the person's going to use your product, how, you know, are they going to use it in conjunction with something else? Um, that sort of ties into the last principle, which is around execute and getting the product out there, trying it and, and so forth. Of course. Seeing how it works. Absolutely. Well, let's crack right into that last golden nugget. So golden nugget number seven, it's all about execution, execute. So again, we go back to Kim K. Kim's a whirlwind. You know, she doesn't wait for things to happen. She goes out and she makes them happen repeatedly. And it's an inspiration for people out there who like to sit on their laurels and sit there and just not execute. You have to get out there. You have to put what you learn into practice. So what do you want us to take away from this last principle, execute? Kim Kardashian has been a pioneer when it comes to celebrities and executing and trying different things and succeeding and failing and the failing being okay. So about 10 years ago, you know, the top celebrities would never dream of doing something that wouldn't necessarily work. Kim Kardashian is an entrepreneur. She is a business person. She is also a celebrity. And part of the inspiration and why Kim is such a good metaphor for this rule as well is because there is more forgiveness in the marketplace. Today, you can try different things. You can see if they work. Try and execute on them. If it doesn't work, that's fine. You know, the Kardashians came out with the Kim Kardashian um, financial card. It didn't mm. do well. Some of their products have, some of them haven't. So, you know, let's be open to continuing to experiment, continuing to innovate, see what takes off, and let's not be too hard on ourselves. You know, part of the enjoyment and, and fun and excitement of connecting with a brand is how innovative it is today, and that very much comes in the execute part. You know, continue to execute and continue to innovate. That's exactly right. But it's it, people today, they understand this principle. They understand. They know they have to execute. They know they have to innovate. They know they have to release new products, new services, new campaigns, new offers. And yet they still hold back. And I think it really comes down to fear, fear of putting themselves out there, fear of criticism. So what do you say to the organizations out there who maybe are scared to execute like Kim K does? They're scared to put themselves out on a limb. You said that today the marketplace is more forgiving of people trying things that don't work. So what do you say to the organizations out there who are a little bit more conservative and aren't exactly comfortable with executing, with launching, with shipping, and they want to make sure they have all their ducks in a row first? You know, I would say to those organizations that you very much have to move with the times. You know, conservatism is only going to hold yourself back, especially when we're in a world that is becoming, you know, the most colorblind, the most genderblind, the most open-minded that we've ever been. That's a movement that, you know, is not going to stop. I would also say this, that, you know, I said this in the book as well, today, even negative criticism is a good thing. Hate today is a status symbol. Many times, if you're not being hated, you're not in the game. Mm. What you're doing as a result is you're polarizing. You're firstly, number one, the fact that you're getting hate can often mean that you're being noticed. Half of the battle won. There are so many brands, so many products and ideas that just completely go unnoticed. So the fact that you're generating a response, whether that be love or hate, means you're generating a response. You're striking a nerve. And that is a measure of success. So see that as something positive. You know, embrace the hate, learn from the hate, um, and, um, and don't be afraid. You know, you're never going to please anyone today. You know, people are more 
single-minded and know, you know, audiences today know what they particularly want and what they stand for more than everything else. You can't be everything to everyone. <laughs> That's exactly right. The Kim Kardashian Principle, Why Shameless Sells and How to Do It Right by Jitendra Sedev. So, my friend, it has been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. Jitendra, if anyone wants to get in touch with you, they want to talk to you, they want to reach out, they want to connect with you online, they want to see some of your videos, what's the best way they can go ahead and do that? The best way they can get in contact with me is through my website page at jetendra.com. So that's J-E-E-T-E-N-D-R.com. What a pleasure. Thank you, Ryan. All right, there we have it. That's the Kim Kardashian Principle, Why Shameless Sells and How to Do It Right by Jitender Sedev. Interesting book, eh? Interesting conversation and some really good takeaways. I hope you guys took some notes and I hope that you were able to take some of these things, put into practice for yourself to start getting some more attention online. And it's not easy. None of this stuff is easy. But if you come at it with the right approach, it becomes a little bit more easier. That's for sure. In any case, if you enjoyed this episode, then please go online and rate and review the show. You know how this works. Get your ratings in, get your reviews in, and I'll make sure you get entered in the draw every quarter for a prize. Don't forget to connect with me on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. And when you do, just send me a quick hi. Let me know how it's how it's going. And if you're already connected, then reach out to me. Let me know what you loved about this episode. I'd love to hear from you. And of course, last but not least, if you enjoyed this episode, then you want to get the PDF copy of this. I'll be sending that out in about maybe a week's time. Uh, all you got to do is go to cutthecrappodcast.com. At the very top, you'll see summaries. Sign up, give me your email, first name, last name, and I'll make sure you get that in your inbox once a month. All right, my friends, that's a wrap for this week. I hope you all have a fantastic, productive, inspired week. I'll catch you back here next week when I have a brand new book, brand new golden nuggets, an interview with an author, and of course, you know what I'm doing here every single week, just trying to save you a little bit of time and bring you some information that can spark real change in your life. Have a fantastic week, everybody. I love you guys. One of my direct subordinates, one of my guys that worked for me, he would he would call me up or pull me aside with some major problem, some issue that was going on, and he'd say, boss, we got this and that and the other thing. And I'd look at him and I'd say, good. And finally one day he was telling me about some issue that he was having, some problem, and he said, I already know what you're gonna say. And I said, well, what am I gonna say? He said, you're gonna say good. He said, that's what you always say. When something is wrong and going bad, you always just look at me and say, good. And I said, well, yeah. When things are going bad, there's gonna be some good that's gonna come from it. Didn't get the new high-speed gear we wanted? Good. Didn't get promoted? Good. More time to get better. Oh, mission got canceled? Good, we can focus on another one. Didn't get funded. Didn't get the job you wanted. Got injured. Sprained my ankle. Got tapped out. Good. Got beat. Good. You learned. Unexpected problems. Good. We have the opportunity to figure out a solution. That's it. When things are going bad, don't get all bummed out. Don't get startled. Don't get frustrated. If you can say the word good, 
guess what? It means you're still alive. It means you're still breathing. And if you're still breathing, well then hell, you still got some fight left in you. So get up, dust off, reload, recalibrate, re-engage, and go out on the attack.